We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hello and welcome to the Eurostep uh, Milwaukee Bucks pod on the Blue Wire Network. If I sound distressed, it's because I am. I'm here right on the heels, freshly, within minutes of the Bucks losing an absolute stinker to the Boston Celtics, 116-105. to 105. Milwaukee led by as much as 19. Clearly that uh, that didn't hold up. I'm here, of course, with my co-host and good friend Rohan Kadi. Rohan, let's be mad online. Let's let's do it. <laughs> just were, yeah. straight, straight away, just go into it. What, what, describe your feelings after this game and why you feel that way. Uh, just coming off of watching this game, I sort I feel uh, disgusted. Doesn't really feel strong enough. I this is if this is the team that's coming out of the gates, and again we have to remember it's early in the season. This is game four, but this has been a consistent issue for four games. We've seen this team come out play bonkers like really well for a couple like for stretches. And then just absolutely just give up. Is give up strong enough? Um, I I think it's strong enough. I mean, some might say it's. Actually, I don't know if anyone would say it's too strong. I mean, as on Twitter, just scanning through Bucks follows, I'm I'm surprised at the lack of people saying like it's early. It's just game four. I agree. I mean, it is factually. And I think it's easy to get caught up in in one game or a small stretch and and lose. Lose sight of how big it is and everything else. I know Anthony Doyle, who uh, follows and covers the Raptors, he tweeted at me like, actually, this sounds a lot like the Raptors season last year. I mean, I didn't think they really had put it all together at all until the playoffs, and then obviously they did. So I mean, that's kind of encouraging, but I, I don't know. I don't know if 
I don't think he was really tuning in and watching the yeah. entire game. And again, we, we there there was that stretch last year, uh, early in the season, where they played 500 ball, but it didn't really feel like this. No, I mean it just it doesn't. Something just feels wrong, and that's not like a, you know, that's not like a super in depth take or whatever else. But it's just like I don't know how else to put it. Like the good stretches feel pretty good. I don't know if they've had any that really have titillated me as much as some some of last year's Bucks teams did maybe honestly the first half of this game was pretty damn strong all around was so that, that was the closest yeah but just the fact that they have not been able to put together I would I would say they haven't even been able to put together three out of four good quarters yet in a game this year I, I don't think they've been close to a full complete game they, they have never not one of these games this year they've Started started out strong, led the whole way, and carried it through. The Cleveland game was the closest. Yeah, and I think I'd there was say they th- probably had like around two and a half quarters of great play against Cleveland. They had yeah. one and a half against Houston. They had two quarters against Miami. I'd say even one and a half against Miami. And then today they two had two more. Yeah, yeah, two good quarters. And and people might disagree with me in the Cleveland game because the, the Bucks kept the lead pretty steady. But I think a lot of that was like. They were doing some of the same trash that has costed them, cost them in the in the rest of these games. But just like Cleveland couldn't do anything about it. Like the Cavs yeah. have one center right now. Uh, yeah, to in, in Giannis's credit, and I, I do have some somewhat harsh words for Giannis after a, another clearly not up to his standards game tonight. Uh, Giannis kind of took Kevin Love out of that game and and made the other Cavs try to try to beat the Bucks, and they just couldn't. I mean, Milwaukee's just better. Milwaukee is a good team. They're not bad. I think that's. Worth saying, probably, just in case no, anyone's we need really to, we ready need to, to frame our expectations for this. They're they're bad. I'm like not bad, bad word. Uh, they're they're disappointing in what we thought they could be so far this season. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, they're they're clearly not up to the expectation that we brought in, and I think the expectation they should have. I mean, this is by and large a team that was two wins away from the finals. And right now they have two wins through four games, period. And, and neither of them, as we already covered, looks very convincing. So what uh, what what part of this do you want to go after first? Uh, I, I think the one thing that's kind of convenient, I guess, for a podcast sake is the problems in this game are largely similar to the problems we've seen in total throughout the season thus far. So I think we kind of tackle one, we tackle both. So what do you want to go after? Uh, let's try Let's try and get a little upbeat. Let's talk about what went well in the first half. So we, we kind of saw, I think you'd agree with me in saying that in the first uh, quarter, second quarter, we kind of saw the offense almost uh, like flourishing more than it has uh, at any point in this young season. You know, there was a lot of movement and people were hitting their shots there. It just looked like that had finally opened up. They, um, it was. It just felt free flowing, and it was working. They were putting up. They had like a thirty-five point, thirty-four point first quarter. My bad, and they held the Celtics to nineteen points defensively. They were forcing bad shots, and they. It just seemed like they had. They, it had clicked. Yeah, and I think a lot of it. This is something that Kane and I would talk about quite a bit last year. Was there's like two versions of this Bucks team. There's the version that moves the ball and finds the open guys and makes plays and, and cuts and gets to the rim and everything else. And then there's like this funk they get, they would get into, and they I think they've gotten into it every game way too often in, in this new season, where they just don't move the ball. The ball sticks, 
everyone just tries to drive against the defense or, or just take a shot, you know, kind of early in the shot clock, not very open. And those are the possessions that you string them together and you get enough of them in a row and you can blow a huge lead to the Celtics or to the Heat or, I mean, those are the only two leads they've really blown thus far, but or you can you can let the Rockets open up a big lead if you play like that in the, the first half against them. So I just think they keep they keep ending up in those stretches. I think part of it is the defense has not been as good this year as it was last year. I'm not exactly sure why that is. If, if teams are just shooting really well from those areas against the Bucs, it seems to me their rotations aren't nearly crisp enough and not getting to shooters after they do collapse actions into the mid-range. Like, we'll see mid-range jumper that the Bucks kind of want. Uh, it, it, it's a miss, and then the other team gets the offensive rebound, which it feels like that's been happening a lot lately as well. And then there's no one to the offensive player who the ball gets kicked out to, and they hit an open three. And I think that that lack of defense has really hurt the Bucks' offense because a lot of those great movement possessions come when the team gets in a rhythm. I think a lot of that starts in the defensive end. But it's just all that to be – I guess that's the reason things just don't feel right. The team's not running. I don't think the team is moving the ball nearly enough. I mean, you look at the game right now. If ESPN's box score will, will contribute – the Bucks did have 21 assists, which isn't terrible. Boston had 25, which is a lot more, which makes sense. But – no one, no one buck has more than five. I don't know. Do you think the ball is moving enough on this Bucks offense? Uh, not at all. Uh, I want to bring up a tweet that you had, uh, actually, that I really enjoyed. It was that uh, to the effect that Kyle Korver and Wes Matthews are moving a lot and the team doesn't really know how to necessarily, necessarily play into that. And I thought that was a really smart observation because it seemed like the only two players who were sort of initiating a lot of the flow of the offense are Kyle Korver and Wesley Matthews. And there are a lot of opportunities where you see Wesley Matthews coming off, uh, he slips a screen, goes downhill, and he's open and no one can really get him. And then uh, Kyle Korver's he's people like the, the Bucks have been actually trying to find him a little coming off of uh, pin downs, but it, it's not happening as necessarily as often as you think it would, especially with the amount of distance that Kyle Korver travels in a game. So it's it feels like there's just there's just not enough offense and like movement in the offense, and they're not really used to it. Yeah, no, I would uh, I would certainly agree with that. And it's just it's weird. It's weird how this team has looked stiff at times. I think this is the reason that at least for me it's so frustrating, is they look like stiff and jilted. And I mean, Wes, Wes Matthews has a bad game tonight. We, we Rohan and I decided to cancel the who's going to be the two guard conversation for now. Pat C just looks like such a great energy guy. Up to this game, Wes has been very good. And I, I didn't, I mean, the shots didn't fall. I didn't think he was like objectively terrible tonight. He just couldn't hit a shot. He did have three points, three assists, three rebounds. So, you know, not obviously. No, he, he, had like a, he had like a solid like game doing the little things. It just yeah, his shot wasn't but, falling, like you said. Yeah, one for eight, one for seven from three. So, not, not a good game for him. But. Uh, so it's like I was saying, they, they've looked stilted, they've looked stiff and it's like off, off the rip, you would go, well, that must mean that Wesley Matthews and Robin Lopez and Kyle Corver aren't integrating that well. I thought, I still think Robin Lopez to this point has not looked great. He was a plus six tonight. I think it was just, I think, really I think this was arguably half. his best game because he seemed yeah. to, he seemed to get a little better in there. And again, uh, single game plus minus is not really a, the end all be all, but this game was a little bit indicative showing that Robin Lopez actually started to be a positive contributor on the floor. 
Yeah, I would agree. A little. It's still not. It's still not perfect. It's clunky. It's gonna take getting used to, but it's it's improved since like the last couple games. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. But I think he's been the clunkiest, and he looked a little better. And I think his role is not super vital as the backup center. I mean, the Bucks literally didn't have a backup center for most of last year, so clearly it's not the most important role to this team's success as it's built. And then I would say Wes Matthews and Kyle Culver have fit in super well. Like I think they've both been positive in most of their interactions with the team. I know heading into the game, West was the Bucks plus minus King. We'll see how that changes. Probably not by a lot because nobody except for Robin Lopez had a good plus minus. West minus four, the only one better. Kind of hilariously is Bledsoe at minus three. I, I didn't think Bledsoe had a great game tonight. He only had seven points in 28 minutes. But, yeah, it's just it's 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 so frustrating that this team retains so much talent, adds guys who seem to be fitting and clicking, and, you know, they're moving off ball. They seems like they're doing all the right things. It just doesn't seem like this team with the continuity it has should have these sort of these glitches, but yet it keeps on happening in every single game, which is the reason why you're, you're concerned, you know, even just four games into the season. Yeah, it almost feels like they're hung up on last season. You Like the lot, not, I don't want to say logical progression, but like the ideal progression uh, from last season would be like they're they're super motivated. They were so close. They're, they know that they can get better and they're going to get better and they're going to play better and they're going to make the finals. They're going to maybe win the title. But it almost feels like they're, they feel like they missed an opportunity. It feels like a it feels like the Rockets from a few years back when they started the season off uh after like a little rough after um losing in the Western Conference Finals against the Warriors. I'm that's that's the vibe I'm getting. Yeah, and I do wonder, and I don't want to make excuses for this team. They just need to be better. And it's it's plain and simple and both sides of the ball, everything. But I do wonder if there is kind of a, a cumulative effect from especially Giannis and Chris. And, and Chris was fantastic tonight, by, by and large. Yes, I think Boston killer. Boston Chris came Absolutely out, yeah. a Boston killer is Chris Middleton, which makes me so happy. I was tweeted, I tweet a lot more, I think, when they're doing well. And I had a lot of first-half tweets about Chris Middleton. But, uh, wow, right after the game, the Celtics pick up the third-year option on Robert Williams. Good job, <laughs> I guess, Robert Williams. I, I didn't think he had a terrific game, but I, I guess he did. Yeah, he had that one block on Bledsoe, so I guess he did that, have was, that. that was enough to pick up his option. That that did it for him. Congrats, Robert Williams. Get that money. Time Lord. Time Lord, baby. Um, such a funny nickname. Um, no, but uh, Chris and Giannis both with the, the long playoff runs for the first time ever. Both of those guys played a lot last season. And then, of course, they both play uh, in the FIBA World Cup that took up pretty much their entire summer. I do wonder if any of that stuff starts to have an effect after a while. I, like I said, I don't want to make an excuse. Just something I'm, I'm, I've been wondering out loud. To, it needs to be taken years. into consideration. Yeah. Like, especially if you notice like a couple of early season trends, like the, the Kings and the Pacers, they haven't won any games yet. They also took a large international trip to India. Shout out to the homies. Uh, but... <laughs> Did the Pacers lose tonight? No, they they got their win finally. Oh, did oh wow. Okay, yeah, well that go, the there goes that. Okay, but you know the point the point still applies. They've struggled and they went on international. Like it, it does affect this. We saw this when the Warriors went to China. Uh, what was that? Two seasons ago now. And yeah, they think so. They started off a little shaky, and these uh, getting a lot of run during the summer. It's going to wear you out a little bit. It's again not making excuses, but it it is a factor. It is, and and what's unfortunate is this felt like the kind of game that, for for me really, and I think I've said this a couple in a row now, but this one more than the Cavs game, this felt like the kind of game where you could shake off this kind of rust. It's a big opponent, 
You expect the Bucks to get up for him, and they did. They just didn't stay up for them. Too bad we don't have a Roman ad read this week. But uh, <laughs> um, it just it seemed like the perfect, and especially with the Celtics missing a few guys. I mean, their, their defense was hot, warm butter in the first half, and, and they tightened up. And I think the Bucks helped a lot with that. Um, let's talk about, did you see the shot chart I tweeted uh, in the middle-ish of the fourth quarter? I did. I did. So it basically, to sum it up, outside of Kyle Korver's absolutely bananas three off of a crazy honest dish, probably the, one of the only moments in the second half that brought me any joy. I, I have so much fun watching Kyle Korver. I really do. I'm almost ready to reconsider my uh, feelings about the 2015 last All-Star in the East when it went to Korver <laughs> over Brandon Knight. I'm almost ready to reconsider. I haven't hmm. made any definitive decisions. I'm, I'm, I'm still to, on team Brandon Knight. I, I could for, have, this is why yeah, we work. Yeah. <laughs> but um, aside, that was one of the few moments about me, Joy. That was, I think, one of two hits at the time that I tweeted it. And they, Chris came back in, and they, they did ring off a couple threes in a row after I tweeted the chart. But there was that Corver three. There was one other three in the same corner. Otherwise, every single three was missed. And it looks like they had taken about a dozen of them total. I, I don't have the exact numbers. It's probably not that high, but probably close to ten. And you just see like this line of green in the in the in within the arc and so almost a straight line over and it brings me back to this this thing i'm really on this year like i'm really buying into this being able to score at the rim and and in the mid-range closer to the basket from three is an important thing and if you go away from it for long stretches it will kill your game a lot of the time maybe not every single time sometimes you'll hit enough but we see it with the rockets we saw it in game one against the rockets certainly and we've seen it now. The Bucks do it, and this game was a great example. You just—I I call it the NBA's sunken place. Not—I so, think we're far enough from, uh, from get out to not be oversaturated with get out references. It's been a couple of years now, it but it's, has, it's yeah, it, which is crazy. I'm old, man. I'm I'm super <laughs> old, but it it really is like you're sunk if you get there as an offense. You need to get out of it because it's just you just get caught in this feedback loop where you're like, oh, the next one will break it open. And I think guys start to settle more and more. They start to get tighter and tighter. And it's just on the other end, you're giving up these good buckets. You're giving up these long rebounds from clanging all these threes. The other team is running, getting to the rim and getting all these points. The Bucks need to be able to manufacture points closer to the basket. They just need to. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely agree with you on that. It's more like when you're when you're in a cold streak, it's almost like you're in a bad routine. And it's like, what's the best way to break a bad new routine? You try something new. And so, like, the, the Bucks have been um, shying away from the mid-range, like, last year under Budenholzer. But it's – so trying something new is going to the mid-range. And as you said, like, it's worked. We talked about this in the last episode. Like, the mid-range was the difference between the Bucks and the Rockets in that game. That's what made the winning difference. They were 7 out of 10 from the mid-range. That was, that was the 14-point difference. So it's it's more like, yeah, it's more like you need to break out of your funk by trying something new and different. But it's not necessarily new and different if you know, like if you're good at making the shots. Like Chris Middleton is a, like, a very efficient mid-range scorer. He just doesn't do it as much in this offense as he probably should. It, it's it's like Brooke Lopez, he can have nice touch around the rim. Robin Lopez has uh, got that hook shot down. It's just... Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's... It's it's more like you just need to feed in different areas when you're when you're in a bad streak. Yeah, it's, I'm not anti three point shot to be sure. I love threes, but I just think the two things need to feed into each other. You need to score closer to the rim to open up the threes, and vice versa. And I think that's 
the really great offenses have both. Like the and not just the great offenses, the teams that win championships have both. The Raptors would kill the Bucks with their three point barrage, but when things tightened up, what did they do? They they said Kawhi, all right, go get us the bucket. Go go find us some offense. The Warriors were unbeatable with KD because on the rare occasions that their machine gummed up and it it did happen. Check out 2016. They they all of a sudden have this ultimate cheat code to just all right, just get us ten in a row here, KD. Like we need to snap out of this, and that's that's what put them over the top. And I just think, you know, the Bucks don't have Kawhi, they don't have KD, but they do have Giannis, they do have Chris Middleton. They do need to figure out ways to generate this offense because this, the kind of performances they're they're putting up right now are just unacceptable. And what else? Another thing that's unacceptable is a bad shave. And humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave, it hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks and the, the Greek freak, the modern Greeks, they don't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's is in it for the love of the game, not the love of the fame. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, an easy glide, and a low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com slash bluewire for your free shave or your free trial today. Harry's is a return to the essential. It's quality, durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. It's also convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription, and there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love their shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Eurostep listeners can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. Here's all the things you'll get. Try to keep track. There's so many. You get the weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip. That's key right from the jump. You get the five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. It's like a great lineup. You get all five blades. You get a rich lathering shave gel with aloe to help keep your skin hydrated and you get the travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to start shaving better today. And while you're doing that, or right after you're doing that, or during if you're a really good multitasker, get ready for the holiday rush. If you sell stuff online, you need to get ready with ShipStation. With more people buying online than ever before, you need to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably But how do you keep track of these orders or decide which shipping carrier to use or if you're getting the best rates? Those are important questions, but ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. No matter where you are selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. This makes them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all of the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, and UPS. All the good letters. You can compare and choose the best shipping option for you and your customer. ShipStation even offers big discounts on shipping costs. Now any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for the large Fortune 500 companies. You'll always know that you're getting the best deal. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers. You'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Take the hassle code out of holiday shipping. Use offer code BLUE, B-L-U-E, to get a 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no-hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and type in BLUE. 
That's ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation, my favorite tagline out there. Make ship happen. Absolute best in the business right there. I had to make sure you were still awake. Are we Are we ready yeah. to talk more bucks? Oh, let's do it. <sighs> I don't even remember what topics we talked about beforehand. I'm, I'm still upset. And, and I feel like I shouldn't be this upset. It's one game. It's a long season. But I just am. I just I care too much. Um, I don't know. What do you think? What, do you, what should we talk about next? Do you do you think the offense needs more creativity? Yeah. Just to, just in general, not in terms of like what type of shots, but just like in general. Well, one of the things that's been I don't know interesting as a word like frustrating. I I don't know how much of it comes from coaching and how much from players, but I feel like more than last season. There's just been these straight line drives I've been tweeting tweeting yes. my butt off. Mm-hmm. Tweeting my butt off about uh, for a couple weeks now, as long as the season's been going, basically. And I just hate them. I just hate them so much, especially because, you know, if if you're, let's say, you know, the team is move, the teams are moving in transition and somehow you get Kemba Walker on Giannis, then sure, of course, attack. Go ahead. This team has not hunted those mismatches. This team has not been putting its players in good positions for those drives. It's just been like, well, it's 18 seconds on the shot clock. I'm Eric Bledsoe. I better just run right into Jason Tatum four times. And, you know, he could he drew a foul on at least one of those. It kind of works sometimes. Like, these are good players. They'll get some good results. But it's just, it's not good basketball. Like, it's not going to work. It's not a, a con, uh, it's not a game plan that's, like, complete enough to, to work over a full game. Like, this constant driving and kicking. Like, it's very strange to me how much of their offense has been these simple driving kicks. Then you get, like, the beautiful side-out-of-bounds plays, like Giannis's alley-oop dunk where he fakes up and then cuts back toward the rim and Middleton tosses it up. Like, that's amazing. And I know it's easier to do that on a side-out-of-bounds than it is just coming up in half court, but there needs to be some sort of in-between with these beautiful, you know, scripted plays that Buttle drops sometimes and just the other hand of, like, these terrible, like, four possessions in a row where they just there's no passing and they just try to isolate. Yeah, you know, one thing I found really interesting when I was watching preseason basketball was how New Orleans used Zion. And I think the Bucks could actually uh, take a little from that playbook. One of the best things that Alvin Gentry had them running was when Zion was at like either either baseline and right near the basket, he would come and curl off a screen at the top of the key and then get the ball headed downhill. Mm. Like if imagine that with Giannis instead of Zion. Yes. Like it's it's just there's nothing you can do about that at all. When Giannis is getting a full head of, like head of steam and he doesn't even have to create it on his own. Cuz one of the things that runs into the problem with those straight line drives that you were talking about is that when Giannis creates it on his own, the defense has time to line up, but if it's coming off in action, then you don't you have to play within your system defense and that's not that's not going to stop Giannis. Exactly. It's was that was it Middleton who hit the three on the elevator doors in the Cleveland game? Yes, yes, it was. So like you can run that play with Giannis and just have him keep going around. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't have to be elevator doors; it can just be one screen. But no, I I certainly agree. I mean, it's just like my that's my thing with the pick and rolls too, and I'll, I'll never stop yelling about Bucks pick and rolls. I think until the day I die, which hopefully is a long time from now. But it's like just get him the ball and space and moving, and I just don't think teams will be able to stop him 90% of the time. And his 97 percentile efficiency on both sides of the pick and roll last season speaks to that. Like if it right now, Giannis is getting like 30 point triple doubles, 
basically eating in transition and, and just like taking advantage of the straight line drives for a lot of his offense. Maybe not most, but it, at least a sizable amount. If you turn like half or more of his shots into Giannis in an advantageous position, moving, catching the ball against a defense that's not ready, his efficiency is going to skyrocket. And I just think like these are not like, you know, again, I, it brings me back to somebody uh, during the Cavs game. I, I forget. I think this was on Discord somewhere, either our lovely Discord, which make sure to get in there by sending me or Rohan or me and Rohan a screenshot of you listening to the pod, and we'll get you in the Discord to talk Bucks all the time. It's fun. I mean, it wasn't that fun tonight, but it wasn't the Discord's fault. Um, but I, I, know if, I don't know if it was someone on there or someone on Twitter, but they were basically like, well, and I was complaining about the Bucks not targeting Sexton and Garland more. And it was like, well, you know, you're not going to game plan for the Cavs, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, well, you would a little bit. But regardless, like, it should be a, an easy thing that the Bucks do on every team is, like, if they play a conventional point card, a.k.a. they're not the Sixers, like, screen with whoever that guy is guarding in Giannis and make them make a bad choice. Like, there's no good choice there. And especially, like, if your point guard is George Hill, who's also big, like, you just put teams in bad positions. The Bucks right now are putting themselves in bad positions, and that's been that's been why they, they can't find this consistent success. Some of it is on the players, for sure. I don't think a lot of guys have played well, Giannis included, and we'll get there, but I just think schematically Milwaukee has not put themselves in many advantageous positions. Yeah. Uh, again, I agree with you on that. It's just one thing I did notice when the Bucks were sort of like, sort of like starting to score a little bit again in the fourth quarter. It was when Chris Middleton was initiating the offense. Mm-hmm. And like, again, that's Boston Chris, like he's always going to go off against the Celtics, but I feel like they could use that a lot more as uh, with Chris Middleton as the primary initiator, not Bledsoe, not Giannis, not George Hill. If you put Middleton in the lead guard, like uh, like ball handling duties, you're gonna get a lot of advantageous actions because Chris Middleton is probably is he he's the best he's the best three level scorer on the team. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. easily. I think yeah. easily. So if you have the best three level scorer on the team with, and he's also a very good passer as well. That's not talked about enough, but you know what? I'm talking about it right now. So he's a good passer. He can score at all three levels. It's just if you put the ball in his hands and have him initiate actions with Giannis, it's just and and not even just Giannis with anyone. It's gonna it's gonna lead to more like advantageous situations that you're talking about. So I think yeah. maybe maybe one solution, like possible solution, would be putting the ball in Middleton's hands more in the half court offense. I think Middleton should, like, Giannis should screen for Middleton and vice versa, like, five times a quarter when they're on the 40. Like, I just, I even if even if you say, well, teams will just switch, like, you know, there's going to be wings on both. Well, there's going to be a smaller wing on Middleton, and that's advantageous right there. But just making the defenses do something gives you an opportunity for some sort of slip, some sort of space, someone to cut off the ball. It just makes things more complicated for the defense than doing nothing. And, and that's... Sounds pretty obvious. I don't think the Bucks are doing literally nothing, but I think they're doing close to nothing on far too many possessions. And I'm glad you brought up Middleton being the best three-level scorer because I'm just looking at the box score here. So Giannis obviously takes most of his shots from two-point range. That's that's obvious. Every other Buck in this game, besides Chris Middleton, took at least half of their shots from three-point territory. Five of Brooke Lopez's eight shots, four of Bledsoe's eight shots, which that's... Eric Bledsoe, stop, stop with threes. Just score inside, man. Seven he made, he of Wes Matthews' eight shots. He, he did make one out of four. 
Um, two of Ursan's four shots, all three of Robin Lopez's shots, five of George Hill's nine shots, six of Pat C's eight shots, and five of Kyle Korver's six shots came from the three-point range. Literally every non-Giannis and Chris Buck took almost all of their shots from outside. Only two of Giannis's 13 were threes. He missed both. The Giannis convo was coming. Uh, and then th- only six of Chris's 15 shots came from behind the arc. He was also the best three-point shooter, despite taking the least percentage of his shots from three uh, outside of Giannis on the team. And I think those things go together. I think more of your threes are going to fall. You're going to get better looks from threes if defenses are worried about you driving. Defenses were not worried about a lot of the rest of these bucks outside of Giannis, of course, because they just weren't. And I just think you need to vary the offense a little bit. Chris Middleton ends up 10 for 15 overall, 3 for 6 from deep, which means he's 7 for 9 from the field. That's, that's I mean, from the non-three-point field, and 3 for 3 from the line. Overall, a great game, leads the team in scoring, nearly leads the game in scoring before Kemba goes ballistic late. Man, like, that's the kind of guy. They, they, just more of that in general and more of that from Chris specifically will be good for the Bucks. Yeah, for sure. More Chris equals more good. Yes, that's a that's a good <laughs> equation, and and just other players, other players should probably take some more shots within the arc. I just think this game, the line actually went too far toward threes, and it, it ended mm-hmm. up hurting Milwaukee. Forty five yeah. of the Bucks, eighty two shots were threes. Yeah, like exactly what you were saying. Like the twos, like the threes should feed the twos, the twos should feed the threes. It shouldn't just be, it should be like spread out, like you were saying. Right. Yeah. So I've got one more thing I know we need to hit. I just teased it a few times. Let's talk about Giannis, who I think we both agree. First two games, pretty good. Fouling out of both late kind of hurts the overall game. And I I still don't think, even with the gaudy, like 30-point triple doubles, I don't think on both sides, you know, on, on all facets of the game, he was, I don't think we've seen a great Giannis performance, even through those games, even with the numbers. And these last two have just been, I think, 14 points against the Cavs, 22 points tonight. A lot of those coming late, uh, 22 and 14. Again, not not like he was terrible, but by his standards, I just don't think we've seen the best Giannis this year. Well, how, what's your what's your take on my take, so to speak? Uh, the first thing that came to my head was that uh, article. With, was it with uh, Eric Name from The Athletic about how he wanted to um, sort of start the season off slower? Oh, I, I I don't know who wrote that because I haven't read it. It was either it was either Eric or Matt Velasquez. Yeah, of course it was. Yes. Yeah, it was yeah. one of the one of the two one of the two Bucks goats, and then I'll put Kane up there too. But Kane just hasn't unfortunately been able to write as much lately. But yeah, yeah. So it, the, it was someone. It was someone. Yeah. yeah, it was from one very good Bucks reporter. Yes. Uh, that um, Giannis was saying that how he's watched like LeBron, Kawhi sort of start the season off a little slow, like not really go full straight into a wall, and. I, like I want to say that he's trying to do that, but then I see how frustrated he's getting when he's on the floor, and that makes me sort of back away from that. Like it's not like him intentionally trying to take it easy; it's him trying to go full speed but not being able to. Well, I wonder. I wonder even if some of it could be he's kind of torn between both. You know, the honest yeah. strikes me as a guy who would maybe try that. You know, Bud and and the Bucks coaching staff and. And watching Kawhi and, and LeBron convinces him, like, oh, I shouldn't go balls to the wall all 82 games. Like, it, it's not it's not the way to do it anymore, whatever. And then, like, he's trying to do it, and it's just either he can't do it or, you know, he takes a couple of plays off on defense, and all of a sudden the other team's on a run, and it's really bad for the Bucks. 
again, I don't want to just say that like if Giannis wanted to, he'd be so much better automatically and the Bucks would be 4-0 or something like that. But it does seem like, it. I don't know, like defensively, I don't think he's doing as much as last year, which, I mean, it would make some sense. I think there's been some occasions where I just, like he'll just get caught standing, uh, especially like wall of shots going up when you really need to get out to those perimeter players who I talked about earlier who are, have been making threes. After the the first action goes against the Bucks, I think he's been the he's been the the guy to uh, blame in a couple of those. I think Kevin Love hit one that was particularly bad in the Cavs game. Well, they were trying to hold on. Cleveland obviously couldn't. Uh, and then just offensively, the thing that I mean, they miss a layup or two in the four games, whatever that'll happen. The shooting's been off and on. After kind of selling ourselves early that the shooting was real. You know the the two missed the two air balls in a row. Yeah. What 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 did you do? What was the face that you made when that happened? The two. I just like looked balls. down. Like I can, I don't handle awkward well even on TV. Like fun fact: when I was a kid, I could not watch the wild thornberries because they were like they were always wild and like getting in trouble and getting yelled at by their parents. And I was like, oh, I can't watch this. Like it just makes me feel so like bad inside. So I just looked away. I just felt for Giannis. I just I was like, oh man. I just covered my face with my hands and just just sighed. Like it was it was one of those like visceral sighs where you're just like so disappointed. And it was just, it was rough. It was I and you know I kind of I was looking at my I, I I hate this this happens to me a lot. I'm looking at my phone and I I miss something. So I'm looking at my phone, like sending a tweet or whatever, and I look up and I just see like the net moving for a second, and I was like, "Oh, did he just switch that?" And then you hear Boston just go crazy, and like, "Oh no, he did not. He did not, in fact, switch that." And then you see the second one, and it's just like, "Oh no!" Thank goodness he made all three in a row later. That was that was wild. Yeah, you know, like he he was six focus. out of ten from the line, which you know isn't great, but it it was it was weird. Yeah, he made he would make them in bunches. Like he would either make them all or he would not make it. I think like there's, I think there's a bit of yips that that comes and, and goes with Giannis's shot sometimes. I, I don't know. I mm-hmm. I was impressed that it, after the long layoff, he was able to make the three in a row because it seems to me that like the more he thinks, the less I like the way his shot looks. But that he made those three just fine. Um, but I think overall, his decision making on offense with some of these like just constant drives and the defenses has really just. Call for a screen, man. Like, do a give and go, do a dribble handoff, do something else. Like, it's it's tough to watch, and and he makes enough of them work usually to put up solid numbers because he's just so damn good. But you just need to see an evolution in in the way he's playing. I think that we we just have not so far. And I think to your point on if you wanted to take it easier, run some pick and rolls. In. Like, do do something where you're not just trying to carry the whole offense on your wide, impressive shoulders because that's going to be the most tiring thing of all. Yeah, and getting back to his defense for a second, uh, one thing I've been noticing a little bit is the way last year that the Bucks sort of funneling defense worked was that, uh, like, if the someone drives into the lane, Brook Lopez is there at the rim, and then Giannis comes from the weak side to help, right? And then, but what's happened this season? It feels like even though it's the same players, it's still Giannis and Brook. There's sort of been a lot of miscommunications on Giannis's end. Like uh, Brooks trying to defend Giannis's guy, like uh, from Giannis's spot, sorry, and then which allows for like offensive putbacks, which we've seen a lot of times because it leaves the rim like wide open, no one's boxing out because Giannis is getting there late, and that's just it's very strange. Like you've been saying, it's very strange that it's the same two players, yet they're sort of like they're messing up what they did really, really well last season. 
Yeah, that's that's the part that's jarring, and I, I wonder if some of it is teams like the book is out. It's no longer the first season of them doing that. Teams have figured out like, oh, these are the spots that you know they they tend to leave unoccupied when they play this way. We can muscle in here for yeah, rebounds. But, you know, the thing is like Giannis is not. It's not. They're not doing the same thing. Like Giannis isn't. He's consistently True. being late on the rotation. Yeah, a good fair point. Fair point. I'm taking that out. That's yeah. I I, I see it. it. It's something that. Until you see it, it's hard to put your finger on. I'm going to watch it even more the next game. And it can be hard sometimes And when you're watching. You want to just watch the ball. That's everyone's instinct. But this is the kind of stuff that, that is making the difference for the Bucks defense right now. And it's it's disheartening. I mean, I think I, – I hope that Giannis at, at uh, 20, 24, 25 – he turns 25 in December, I think. Yes. Right? I always get that. I always get confused about that. It would be disappointing if 24, soon to be 25-year-old Giannis was already – taking plays off to the extent that like LeBron is now. And I mean, Kawhi doesn't really even take plays off. He just takes he, entire yeah, games, just take off. games off. Yeah. yeah including primetime tonight, just so he can play tomorrow against the Spurs, which is kind of incredible. But uh, it would be disappointing if, if he was already just not bringing it. I hope there's just, it's a funk. It's, you know, maybe some tiredness from the overseas trip carrying over that he can shake off something like that. I just, just looking forward right now, I think you will agree with this, but obviously we'll kick it to you and find out for sure. The Bucks need a snap out of it game, something fierce. Yes. Yeah, they absolutely just need to have one team, like one game, hopefully like the next one, where they yeah. just they just just absolutely destroy their souls. Like some one of the veterans just needs to get light a fire under everyone's um yeah they just it just tushies. yes <laughs> yes tushies uh it just yeah they just need to be woken up like they there needs to be one game like Giannis have you noticed something weird like Giannis hasn't shown like any emotion on the court except frustration yeah I don't know it's like that tea that was like just completely weird Giannis's tea in this game did not make sense I mean I think there's obviously the frustration with Marcus Smart, who Giannis has got to learn to stop playing into Marcus Smart's hands because he does the same things every time, and Giannis continues. I mean, all defenders, all small defenders are going to get in position, wait for Giannis's arm to move a bit as he's trying to post them up, and they're going to flop. And it's the only way they can defend him. I, I don't fault them, but he just needs to learn how to not play into that every time. But clearly getting frustrated for a lot of reasons and, like, Gets a nice layup on Semi Ojale. I don't know why, or Semi Ojale, excuse me. I don't know why Semi Ojale was like the target of his aggression. Like, I don't know what Semi did, but something apparently, because he honestly lets loose and, and gets teed up. But uh, yeah, it's it's like he hasn't seemed like, triumphant. And and most concerning to me is, as, you're, as you were saying, Light a Fire, I was thinking about all the great clips last year, like Giannis yelling, like, we don't lose two, two in a row, all this. We I haven't seen as much of that kind no. of like defiant like let's go let's just go destroy these guys emotion. Yeah, it, they, I've missed it. Yeah, it's the, it it's almost feels like they're a ghost of themselves last year. So far, it's like Jeez. it's the same team. Like it should be the same result, but they just feel it just looks dead. Like they're still a good team. We need to say like they're still a good team. They they should be great. Yes. That's why we're so frustrated. It's frustrating, and I, I hope I hope we look back at this the uh. same way that I look back. Like I was listening for whatever reason, I, I pulled up uh, the pod that we did, or uh, that that I did, and hear the Eurostep pod. And I think I listened to the 
the win in 6-1-2 um, that I believe you might have been on, that right after the game one of the Celtics series. Yeah, I was, yes. <laughs> and it was like the sky is falling, like everything is over, like the, the Bucks are figured out, and obviously we know what happened. And kind of the opposite, like after game two in the Raptors series, like this thing is done, and of course then it's not. Things change. It truly is a game of runs. The Bucks are not on a good one right now. Still ample room for it to change in the two and two. They're not one and three. They're not zero and four. Whatever. They should probably be three and one or probably even four and zero. Oh. But there's time. But uh, the turnaround needs to start soon before it just like I don't know. I think you carried on too long and it just has negative cumulative effects on the team. Although again, the playoffs are what really matters. You just have to get there. You have to get a good yeah. seed and get there. But this is going to be brutal if they play like this for, yeah. I mean, any more games really, but for any sort of any substantial percentage of the season, like this is just going to be brutal to to watch and sit through. Yeah. And, the, and then the, we're all going to feel stupid when they play really well in the playoffs. Yeah, the silver lining is you don't you don't want this team to reach their peak four games into the season. Like if yes. they consistently get better, which they can do, they there is a pathway for them to be consistently better, and then run through the playoffs because they have the personnel, they have the talent. They have the strategy. They can definitely do that. And they've shown, even this season, that they are capable of playing insanely good basketball. So if they continue to work at it, if they address their problems, if they work at it, they'll get better throughout the season. Hopefully they'll reach their peak during the playoffs and everything everything will fall into place. There is still a path to do that. It's not too depressing. We are, again, four games into the season. That's. I feel like that's unless you have something else that that's on your mind. I feel like that's a great clincher to this episode. Uh, I'm happy to end it on that. It's just you summed it up perfectly. There's still even on a night like tonight, and it's still this night as we're recording. It's still on this brutal night. There's still room for optimism. There's still a clear path for the Bucks to make the playoffs, have a good regular season record, and, and do better in the playoffs. They just need to turn it around. That's the beauty, I suppose, of the. The way too long NBA season. There's time to turn things around. There's 78 games left before the the really important ones come, but clearly some action needs to be taken. Um, so if you listen to this and you haven't yet subscribed to the Eurostep on your platform of choice, please do that. Subscribe and then rate and review as well, especially on Apple. Uh, that stuff really helps us a lot in terms of visibility and, and various complicated formulas like Pippin or whatever else people are using these days whatever advanced stats you're using it's akin to that uh we always appreciate it as well uh like i said earlier if you want to get in the discord to talk box with us send us a screenshot on twitter uh if you're not following us on twitter do that at ty windish for me at arcadi jr for rohan uh i don't know i don't know if there's anything else rohan am i forgetting anything am i forgetting any plugs uh just thank you to the listeners for oh, yeah. listening to this podcast we appreciate you we love you and we're going to continue providing great content for you throughout the season we sure are make sure to tune in next time and hopefully we have uh, some bucks wins to talk about then